thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC. sharing that story. It's a good reminder that God's always in control, right? You know, Mother's Day is a really a joyful day for a lot of people. We know it's not for everybody. And so we just want to let you know that God's plan is bigger than our plan and his way is higher than our way. And so I want to pray, ask you to just trust God in whatever season of life you're in, whatever's going on in your life. Um, know that you're loved and know that you're cared for. And I think that's the important thing we want to remember more than ever. And so happy Mother's Day to all you moms and for those that one day uh, hope to be, we ask, uh, we're praying for you and, and know God has got a, a great plan for you. Um, well, being Mother's Day, we are doing a new series today starting for the next few weeks called Mama Knows Best. And all the ladies said, are y'all ashamed and afraid? I figured y'all be amen in that. I figured standing up. Uh, all this kind of good stuff. Mama knows best. And, and we've heard that phrase a lot of times before. And we look at things. What we're going to look at in these next few weeks is a lot of things that moms might have said to us in light of Scripture. Some of them are just totally scriptural ideas. And then others we're going to take a little bit of a twist. You may want to call it a little Jesus juke. We might throw on it or something like that. But we're going to talk about what God's Word says and the good advice that a lot of moms have given over the years and how... We can uh, have a better life when we follow God's plan. And so um, I, I was thinking about a few things. My mom is uh, one of the sweetest ladies ever um, out in public. No, I'm just kidding. She's probably watching right now. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I'm definitely going to see her in a little bit later on. Um, but we got to, of course, you know I'm sarcastic, and I got it all from her. So if she ever gets frustrated, it's her fault. She did it. But anyway... But she always was tough, loving but tough when it, was, when it came to me. And she always had strict rules, and she wanted me to follow, and she had big plans for me. And she said a lot of things that maybe some of your mom said. One of the things I remember um, is, stop that crying or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yep, you, your mom said that one too. Um, and then another one is, because I said so. Because I said so. When I was a kid, nothing infuriated me more than that phrase, because I said so. Now that I'm a parent, I'm like, praise the Lord Jesus for that phrase. <laughs> because when you've told your child for the 37th time to stop doing something, and they're like, why, 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 why? Why? Because I said so. It's perfectly reasonable now. It only started just a few years ago being reasonable, ever since I became a parent um, and started using that. But uh, real quick, what are some things that your mom said to you? Anybody got any? I figured y'all have them like that. You don't have them? You can't repeat them on, in church? <laughs> oh, yeah, mom's sitting right beside him. That's what Tyler said. He can't say. Oh, Sherry. Okay, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I'm going to turn this car around. I'm going to turn this car around, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said, when you get in the store, don't ask for nothing, don't say nothing, don't do anything, don't touch nothing, nothing. <laughs> I brought you in this world and I can take you out. Anymore. There, there are some good ones. I, I think I've told this before, but I'll tell it again. Um, one of my friends, um, we did this thing when I was a kid. My parents did this thing called spanking. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But... 
you know, my mom could give a good spanking, and she always loved to say, well, you wait till your dad gets home. That's another one, another mom thing. But it would also, it would be like an encore because I would go ahead and get the main show, and then he'd bring the encore when he got home. So it wasn't like she just put it off. But I had a friend whose dad was uh, owned a shoe store, and he sold and also repaired shoes. And so she got a piece, I think maybe statute of limitations is over. Um, but she had a piece of shoe sole that she put holes in. And so it was flexible, but it was like thick. And she would bring that thing in, and, it would sw- and you'd hear the wind blowing through those holes. It was like a, a scud missile. You know, and then pow! And I mean, she would... And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for my mama, because my mama ain't got one of those things. But the reason that I'm thinking about all this is because deep down, most of us have a mom that is loved and cared for us. And we know moms aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect. But most of our moms had a desire to see us grow up and be good people and hopefully people who love Jesus. And so today we're kind of kicking off this series with a, a sermon I entitled, Mind Your Manners, Mind Your Manners, because we're talking specifically about a forgotten challenge that I think a lot of times we don't think about nowadays. Maybe your mom used to say simply, mind your manners when you took off and left the house, but I believe in our society and our world more than ever, I believe we've forgotten to mind our manners. Uh, I think maybe some of it is how easy it is to talk and argue and be rude on the internet, and I don't know if that's the only blame. Because people have been rude for much longer than the internet's been around. But the truth is, it seems to have only gotten worse. Am I right? Where people have forgotten what manners are and what it is to be kind and considerate of other people. And I believe maybe sometimes it's because it stems from the fact that a lot of things that people used to have to say face-to-face, they can say online. And back then, they used to risk, run the risk of getting punched in the mouth for saying it, right? But they don't get the risk of that anymore because it's online. And that that thumbs down button that somebody might say to your rude comment is not quite the same as getting punched in the mouth. You know, just doesn't have quite the same sting. And so what we have to understand is that we got to remember to be kind. But for the church, for those of us that follow Jesus, we've got another tool in our belt that's more than just trying to be nice. We've got the Holy Spirit. And more than ever, the church has to lead the way in this whole kindness movement that we need to regenerate and that we need to bring back. The church is the ones, we need to be the people that are leading the charge in kindness. And the sad fact is, is that it's almost like, you know, from time to time we use a biblical word that we don't use a lot in regular conversation called meekness. And we often associate it with weakness, what it rhymes with. And so just like meekness is power restrained and it's not a negative, weak thing, I think sometimes in our world, maybe even especially for guys, when we hear the word kind or kindness, we think, oh, that's weak. And you're just going to get walked all over. And people are going to just push you down and they're going to hold you back and they're going to keep you from getting what you deserve and what's rightfully yours. But that's not what kindness is. It's not weakness at all. And more than ever, we need to understand this truth. Kindness is the key that unlocks the door for sharing Jesus. Kindness is the key that unlocks the door for sharing Jesus. When you decide to be a kind person, and we're going to talk about what that means, but when you decide to be a kind person, it unlocks the door that oftentimes you couldn't kick in to try to share Jesus with people. 
And, and so we've got to realize that kindness can have a lot of power. There's a word that we see in the New Testament. Um, I, I'm not a big uh, Greek scholar, but I try to do my homework on things like this. And there's a word that is often translated kind or kindness, and it's Christotes. Christotes. And it's translated kindness, sometimes goodness. And those words are usually grouped together many times in the New Testament. Kindness, goodness, gentleness even is thrown in there in the same vein. And those words uh, you know, carry a lot of the same meaning. And so kindness can be thought of as weakness, but it's so much more than that. So the question is this. Why in our world... In a time when it's like, you got to be the bulldog or you're going to be, you know, kicked outside. Why would we choose kindness? And I'll tell you, for Christians, if you decide you want to follow Jesus or if you've been following Jesus, the first one is a doozy. Because here's the truth. If we have the Spirit of God, we should develop kindness. If we have the Spirit of God, now that means that you are a Christian, that means you have the Holy Spirit of God, and if you have the Holy Spirit of God, then you must develop kindness in your life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 is part of the fruit of the Spirit that we mentioned. And many times we misspeak when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and, and times we'll say the fruits, plural, of the Spirit. But if you go back and you read Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you will notice that it is a singular word used to describe many characteristics. And so we cannot just pick and choose. It's not like going into the grocery aisle, into the produce aisle and saying, well, I like tomatoes, but I don't like cabbage. And so I'm going to pick this fruit or this vegetable and I'm going to do this. It's not like that. If you have the spirit of God, it's time for us to allow the spirit to do its work in us. Grow us up so that we can develop these things. And one of those is kindness and, and goodness also. It has to become a part of our Christian life. And so the next idea that I want you to, to kind of put away in your brain is this. We choose kindness because the kindness of God towards us. If it's not enough that you have the Holy Spirit and that becomes a part of you and you need to allow the Spirit to control and work through you and in you, you've got to remember that Jesus was first kind to you. And he calls you to be kind to other people. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me if you would. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 4. We'll have the scripture on our screen here if you want to follow along there or follow along in your Bible on your phone. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our, our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You have been saved. And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now that's a lot of stuff, right? And you might have tuned out or might not even see the point. But that one simple word is, is hidden in there at the end. The kindness of God toward us in Christ Jesus. Kindness is not a small, weak word, is it? Because it's used to describe the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for your sin and my sin. God showed his kindness. The reason that you have breath in your body and you have a hope of heaven is because God chose to be kind to you when guess what go back and look at there in verse 5 it says even when we were really good people and we didn't flip people the bird in line at target 
It doesn't say that, does it? It says what? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, our sins, that's when God made us alive together with Christ by His grace, which is His kindness. Do you understand, do I understand that God has been kind to you and I when we don't deserve it? So how dare we think we shouldn't be kind to other people? Because, yes, you may have been done wrong. I know that. Some of you have had things happen to you that I can't even fathom. And I'm not belittling that. But think about God. The one who all of us have offended. And the hurts that were done to you, understand those hurts were also done to God the Father. He's felt every single pain, every single sin. He's felt the sting of it on his heart. And yet he still chose to make you new and whole and and forgive you. And so he challenges you to show that kindness to other people. Forgive them. He showed overwhelming kindness when we were not worthy. But before you dismiss kindness, remember that the kindness of God came at a great cost. It wasn't. And see, I think sometimes that's why we have a hard time with forgiveness. That's why we have a hard time with kindness towards people, especially who we think are jerks and who have hurt us. Because we think, well, you know, it's just say, say you're, you're sorry or say, you know, say I forgive you or, or just be nice to them, be sweet. It, but that's not, it, it comes at a great cost. And the cost of our kindness, God's kindness toward us came at the price of what? His son, what, what Leonard talked about. It came at the price of his son, the blood of his son, his sinless, perfect son. It's what it costs to be kind to us. So this is what kindness looks like. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, beginning verse 12. Paul uses a phrase here, and depending on what translation you read, this one is the English Standard Version. It says, put on then. As God's chosen holy ones, you know, it might talk about the idea of clothing yourself. It gives you that literal word, clothing yourself. So just think about it this way. In these next few verses, what we're going to read. Put these things on like a garment, like clothes, like you're getting dressed in the morning. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, uh, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Those are words that we don't like a lot of times. Like we said, we think they're weak. We think that we're going to get bulled over. We think that we're going to get forgotten and neglected and that we're going to get mistreated and misused. But Paul says through God, speaking through him, says put these things on like clothing. Wrap these things around you. Make sure they're the first thing you do before you leave the house every day. Wrap yourselves in these things. Verse 13, and this is what it looks like. Bearing with one another... And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It doesn't say go on Facebook and passive-aggressively trash them. That's not what it says. You know, some people, and the person who reads it knows who you're talking about and your friends who you've been blabbing about to it, know exactly who you're talking about. Or maybe you even tag them in it. Maybe you're bold. Maybe you're ready to fight and throw hands. I don't know. But be kind, put these things on, be compassionate. If you have a grudge, if you have a, 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 a complaint against one another, he says, forgive, show compassion. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, 
Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. So what does he say there? Let's refresh real quick. Clothe yourself in kindness, in, in humility, and these things he's mentioned. But also clothe yourselves in patience. Uh-oh. That's difficult, isn't it? And it takes practice, and the practice is hard. The practice will kick your butt learning to be patient if you struggle with it. But try and try again. Practice forgiveness. Like it says, like God has forgiven you. So does that mean you just say, whatever, I forgive you? Is that the way that Jesus forgave us? No. It was completely and overwhelmingly forgiveness that he gave us. And that's how he says to forgive and then, I think about it this way. Since we're thinking about love and kindness as putting on clothes, it says there in the middle, it says, put on love over all of it. So think about putting on an overcoat. Putting on an overcoat of love which binds it all together and keeps everything together the way it needs to be. Wrap it all around you and over you. And as we've said before, love is not just merely gushy, ushy feelings. It's not. It's a decision to love. It's a decision to think and do the best for somebody else. So that's why it's not hard to put on love because you keep retraining your mind. And when you start to do unloving things, then you smack your hand, so to speak, and you get yourself back in the right frame of mind. You forgive. You share kindness. You share patience with people. But you remember... He says to let the peace of Christ rule. And I don't think that we're going to have the peace of Christ until we put on love as an overcoat over these other things that we're doing. Because you cannot be continually at war and then all of a sudden, Jesus, give me peace. Did y'all hear what I said? Because that hits me between the eyes and that might hit you between the eyes. You cannot constantly be at war, hating and angry at people, and then expect the peace of Jesus to just flow over me. It does not work that way. You will not have it. And you'll wonder why you're miserable all the time. And you'll wonder why more money doesn't make you happy, or more relationships don't make you happy, or more friends or more pats on the back don't make you happy because you don't have the peace of God because you're always at war with people. And you won't forgive, and I won't forgive like God has forgiven me. So when we do that, then we can start to have his peace. And then we can start to truly be thankful or grateful like it says. Be thankful. You ever notice that thankful people are normally kind people? Thankful people are normally kind people. Ungrateful people are bitter. And so they're going to be unkind. They're going to be ungrateful. They're never going to be happy with anything. You know, if you give them $100, they're going to say, well, I really needed 1000 You know, and you struggle with being kind, you know. But we know what that is. Somebody who's ungrateful is also bitter. And so once we start to have that peace of Christ, because we put on love, we put on kindness, and we've covered it all up there in love, then we can start to be people who have that peace, who then are thankful. But remember this. Just like the peace and the kindness of God towards us cost, sometimes our kindness will cost. It's difficult to swallow our pride, isn't it? It's difficult to swallow our pride and instead of lashing out and getting even, just biting our tongue 
and saying, I'm going to try to practice kindness to this person who does not deserve it. But you remind yourself what? You don't deserve it either. And God gives it to you. It's difficult to swallow our pride. It's difficult to keep our mouth shut. That is the strongest muscle in your body, it seems like. That tongue that it talks about in Scripture, it can set whole forests on fire. It's like that spark that burns everything down. We have to keep our mouth shut sometimes. And it's hard to do that and then not answer insult with other insults, but answer insults with kindness. It's difficult. It costs a lot emotionally and mentally and even physically and financially to give when you don't think you have enough to be kind in that way to be kind to people who may not deserve it because you can look around and when you're bitter when you're hurt when you feel like you have been wrong you can look and you can always find a reason in every single person to not be kind am I right it doesn't matter how good they are sometimes it's because they're so good you think oh they're fake so I'm not gonna be kind to them they need somebody to knock them down a peg or two and I'm God's man or woman, you know? That's not your job. It's not your job. Start doing what God has called us to do and be kind. That's what we need to do. Luke chapter 10. We're not going to go through and read this story, but you may have heard it before, but it's the story that we call the Good Samaritan. And Jesus tells about this man who was robbed and beaten and left on the side of the road, left for dead and was all but dead. And he talks about religious leaders that came by and they looked at him and they were like, you know, moved over to the other side of the road and they wouldn't stop. And he's telling this story in its original context to religious leaders. And he tells them, he says, but then all of a sudden, guess who comes along? The good Samaritan. And for those religious Jewish leaders, when they heard that, they were like, oh. I mean, they were spitting, they were throwing dust in the air. No way are you going to make a Samaritan the hero of the story after these good Jewish boys walk by and wouldn't have anything to do with this person. But he goes on and he tells a story about how this Samaritan, a person that many of the Jews didn't even think was truly human, stops, gets off of his donkey and picks this man up, binds his wounds, puts medicine on him and, and puts him on his donkey and walks to the next town where he goes and leaves him at a hotel, takes care of him some more and says, look, I'll be back and here's some money. And if, you, if I owe you any more, when I get back, I'm going to give you more money. That, my friends, is kindness, not simply Letting somebody in in traffic in front of you. That's good. That's a start. I'm not dogging that. But kindness may cost you if it's going to unlock that door for the gospel, right? We got to do the little, you can go. But we also got to start to do more and more things where we lay our hearts on the line and allow people to use what we have so they can get closer to Jesus. He committed his supplies. He spent his money. He committed more time and money when he comes back. Sometimes our kindness will cost us. But the reward is worth the sacrifice. The reward is worth the sacrifice. In that story that Jesus told, that man's life was restored, we understand. I mean, it's just sort of left open, but we understand his life was saved. His life was restored. And you may have opportunities where you actually physically save people's lives, but even more importantly, guess what? When we begin to truly practice kindness that costs, that opens up that door for the gospel, you will save people's eternal lives through Jesus. 
That's, what's, that's the world changer. That's the game changer that God is calling us to be kind for. It's because you open that door. Your acts of kindness may mean the difference between life and death, but it will definitely mean the difference between spiritual life and death. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, beginning there, Paul writes to Timothy, and here's what he says. He says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind, kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Do you hear what he's saying there? Do you hear what he's saying? He said, your kindness, your gentle answers, your reminding people with compassion and love might keep them from being captured by Satan's attacks and Satan's tricks. You might, in a sense, snatch them from the flames of hell by your willingness to be gentle and not get involved in silly, stupid arguments where you yell and scream at people and call them idiots. This passage is Paul telling Timothy to treat people kindly. And what's the possible result? That people would escape the trap of the enemy. So our kindness, our kindness can be the key to unlock the door for someone's relationship with Jesus. And you may think, man, it, sometimes it can be costly to be kind. Yeah, and we've said that. But I don't know any of us that have been called to go to a cross and die. And so if my kindness costs me a little bit of money, a little bit of time, a little bit of pride... It's worth it if that means somebody might escape the trap of the enemy. And, and don't negate it. Don't act like it's not true because it's the truth that the Scripture tells us right here and right now. And let's be honest. What feels better? What feels better, winning a silly Facebook argument or winning a soul for Jesus? For a split second, you might feel good about that silly Facebook argument, but a soul for Jesus lasts for eternity. Getting even may feel good for a moment. Don't get me wrong, I know that, but kindness that leads to repentance lasts for eternity. When we practice kindness for people, it leads them closer to Jesus. And so you guys may have seen this. I didn't come up with this, but it's a really good little acronym to remind us how to respond to people, whether it be in person or even on Facebook or on social media. Before you speak or post, think this. I think we've got it on the screen. First, ask yourself, think, is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? Because don't lie, you know, when you get angry and you want to say something, sometimes you'll say something that's not true just to dig a needle in their side, right? Is it true? Is it H? Is it helpful? Think about this. Is it helpful? Is it going to help them get closer to Jesus if I say this thing, if I type this thing? Is it I inspiring? Does it inspire people to be better or does it knock people down and tear people down so their life is worse? N, is it necessary? Sometimes it's just not necessary to say these things. It's not necessary. And then lastly, is it K? Is it kind? Think 
about what you're going to say. Think about what you're going to type. Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary? Is it kind? Is it going to build up? Because the truth is, as much as we think revenge and getting them back and cutting them harder than they cut us is going to make us feel better, it always, like we always hear, bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and what? Waiting for the other person to die? It doesn't make any sense. Most of you have experienced kindness and you have shared kindness with people. And you may think they're small little acts, but sometimes the little acts build up into big things. How many of you have ever been in a drive through line and somebody paid for your order behind you? Or you did that for somebody else? It makes your day and even your week, doesn't it? It might have been three bucks for your coffee, but it makes your week. It, it, you remember it to this day. You know, when you think about kindness, that's one of the things that pops in your brain. I still remember my first youth ministry up in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Um, Sherry and I, uh, maybe Luke had been born at that time. We go away for a week of vacation with my mom and dad. We're out of town, and it's the middle of the summer, and grass is growing like crazy. I get back, and I realize that teenage boys in my youth group, without being asked, had come to my house and push-mowed my entire yard. And my yard was a lot bigger than it is now. And they had come out there, their, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. And to this day, 20 years later, I still think about that. The act of kindness of people that did not have to show it, did not have to share it. And that blessed my mind and my heart. And just last year or a couple of years ago, we do this thing called Thanksgiving, and a lot of you have participated in that. We always have some amazing stories, but one that's really stuck out in my brain is just a, a couple of times ago, um, Sherry and a group of people, I wasn't with her on this trip, I was doing something else. She got some $5 McDonald's gift cards, and they just went and stood out in the parking lot of McDonald's and just tried to hand them to people as they were going in. And she went up to this one young mom that had a couple of kids with her. And she said, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. She explained it. And she said, it's just a $5 gift card. I want to give it to you and hope it blesses your day. And just, you know, pay it forward sometime if you want to and bless somebody else. $5. And the tears streamed down that woman's face. You never know what five minutes and $5 of kindness can do for somebody. And so I don't know what that woman's spiritual life was like. I don't know what that woman's spiritual background was like. She may never have darkened the doors of a church, but she learned that day that people were going around just doing acts of kindness because Jesus loves them and Jesus loves you too. And so that is planted a seed that who knows what day it will come to fruition and it will come to bear fruit because a simple act of kindness. And Sherry didn't think it was that big a deal. The world to that lady. Yes! And you guys have experienced that person. You guys have done it for other people. But as I ready to wrap up, I want to share one other quick story with you. My mother-in-law's here with us today. Her name's Sharon, and most of you have maybe gotten to meet her. If not, make sure you get to meet her. But by her account, growing up, even into her probably early 20s, you can correct me later if I'm wrong, I guess I'm wrong. But up in her early 20s, she had a temper. She talks about it a lot. Not proud of it. She's got to pass it. But up till then, she grew up in Long Island a lot. And so her Long Island came out. We're going to walk and talk. We're going to, you know, she would get mad. And if anybody wronged her, she was going to snap on them. And she was going to let them know. And she, you know, with a quick tongue, she was going to let them know what's up. But then she learned, I can't be like that. She began to allow 
the Holy Spirit to bear that fruit in her life. And she was teaching in elementary school, and she had the disciplined child. And later that day, or maybe a couple days later, they're at a restaurant, her and David sitting at the table eating dinner. In the middle of a crowded restaurant, the father of that girl walks up and starts yelling and screaming and cussing at her right in the middle of the restaurant. And she told me a long time ago when I first heard the story that you know, she feels the anger kind of welling up in her, but she paused and kept her mouth shut. And basically said something to the effect, well, I'm sorry you feel this way, but I gave the correction and the punishment that I needed to give. And I'll be glad to talk to you about it later. But she was kind. And she diffused the situation. The guy kind of hung his head. It was like he had, she had punched him in the gut, but she never raised her voice. And he walked away. And sometime later, guess who showed up at church? That man who screamed and yelled and cussed at her at a restaurant that she kept her kindness and kept her cool and had patience with him and showed him love. And she said, the reason, or he said, the reason that we came to church was because the way he responded to me when I yelled and screamed at that church. Somebody got closer to Jesus because of simply holding your tongue and showing and sharing kindness. I'm here to tell you that with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what kindness is, is part of the fruit of the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it can help bring other people back from death into life. Amen. When we open that door with the key of kindness, it opens the door for eternity for people to get to know Jesus. So church, it's time to remember that mama knows best, to mind your manners, Practice kindness. Lead a revolution of kindness that the church needs to be the tip of the spirit of life. So this world can know Jesus. Today, if you don't know peace and you feel like you're at war all the time, let's talk about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you need to surrender to him. Maybe you need to obey the gospel. Be baptized in Christ and have a new life. And you can be free. You can have that whole spirit we're talking about. Or maybe you've done that, but you're still struggling. You still carry the burdens of pain, and you just don't feel like you can be kind. It's time today to lay that burden down. Because God is either with you or he's against you. And if he's with you, there's nothing that can stop you. He can change your life from the inside out, and he will do that. So don't leave here today without laying the burdens down. So understand the truth of my mother's best. Let's pray this. Father, Help us to have open hearts, kind hearts. It's not a weakness thing, it's a strength thing. Because the Almighty Holy Spirit of God that lives in us is what allows us to become kind when we don't feel like it and people don't deserve it. But that's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and that is not weak, that is power. Help us to understand that being kind. All our school, the people who know your son Jesus in a real way. To Jesus' name we Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.